we come to the second Sunday of Easter together, and we gather as we've been doing for weeks now on YouTube Live. And while I'm glad for this way to practice presence together in spirit at a time when we cannot be together face to face, I miss the face to face. In our gospel reading today, it's the evening of the day in which Jesus has risen from the dead. His followers are gathered behind a locked door for fear of the Jewish leaders. They barely escaped being arrested with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Maybe they were having a conversation about how best to escape the city without being seen by Roman authorities or Jewish leaders. And our story tells us that twice Jesus comes to be among his beloved and hiding disciples. First, he comes on the evening of his resurrection. A week later, he comes to be among them again when Thomas is present. So let's walk through this gospel story together and listen to how the Spirit might speak to us. I try to imagine how disorienting the events of Jesus' resurrection would have been to this frightened circle of disciples. I mean, we've had 2,000 years to grow accustomed to and to live into the reality of what happened. They've only known this news for hours. It would take them a little while longer to more fully realize the hinge of history this day would become. And so as our gospel passage begins, it's the evening of the first day of the week. The disciples are gathered, but they're gathered behind locked doors for fear of those Jewish leaders, leaders that had made their intention quite clear as they had provoked the crowd to join them in their call for the crucifixion of Jesus of Nazareth. They weren't going to treat the followers of Jesus any better. And it's into this scene that Jesus comes and stands among them. His first gift to them is simply his presence, his risen presence. He stands with them right there in the place of their fears. Now, the door that is locked in fear does not prevent the loving and joyful and peace-bringing presence of Jesus to be among them. And our own fears do not hinder Jesus. In the midst of this fearful time in which we find ourselves, Jesus comes to be among us as well. He doesn't break down a locked door. He doesn't need to. The text simply says that he came, stood among them, and spoke four simple yet mighty words. Peace be with you. These are more than just a wish or a hope. They are words of substance. Jesus is giving them his peace. He is speaking peace to their fears. He is speaking peace to their worries. He is speaking peace to their troubled hearts and minds. And Jesus is speaking peace to us, to our fears, our worries, our troubled hearts and minds. And he doesn't just speak peace over these followers once. Verse 21 tells us again, Jesus says, peace be with you. Worry and fear are not resolved in a single moment in our lives. 
perhaps in these weeks of isolation and radical change, we've needed Jesus to speak peace into us many more times than once. I mean, he is a prince of peace. It is no trouble at all for him to speak peace into our lives just as many times as we need him to. Now, the disciples had heard their master speak peace to them before. This was not a new idea. It was not a new message. But they were in a new situation, and they needed to remember. Maybe they would recall Jesus' words of peace to them in the upper room just a few nights earlier. He had said to them, remember, peace I leave you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. There's a difference, isn't there, between the peace the world offers and the peace that Christ gives. Peace in this world, well, sometimes it's about big promises that aren't usually well kept. Buy this product. You'll have peace. You'll be anxiety-free. Fill your life with consumables. You'll be happy. The world gives peace that is situation-dependent. Or the peace this world offers is only available after our troubles come to an end, or our problems are apparently solved, or the situation noticeably improves. The peace the world gives is resolution dependent. But the peace of Jesus is his peace. It is his way. Jesus is the non-anxious presence. Jesus isn't terrified by the things that terrify us. He knows the reality of the kingdom in ways we do not yet know them. Jesus gives us peace by giving us himself. The peace of God is a person. And it is this person who has come to be among them and to speak to them on this resurrection eve. So what does his peace be with you, look like in lived terms. Listen to how Jesus continues. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Peace is not just for their own sake. As our movement of churches is called, this peace is also for the sake of others. In the same way the Father sent his Son into the world, Jesus was sending them and is sending us. We go into this world as a peaceful presence, as a non-anxious presence. Doesn't it seem true that the world would be especially blessed today if we were to go out into it as a peaceful presence? Might that not be one of the best gifts we could give in blessing to the world at a time when so many are terrified? And so many are letting their fears drive them to many irrational behaviors. We can live our lives with peace because the presence of the Prince of Peace among us is with us. It's in us. Now, this sending that the Father sends the Son, that the Son sends us, it's not the kind of sending where we leave the presence of the sender. Jesus breathes on that circle of disciples, and our gospel text tells us, he says, receive the Holy Spirit. 
God's very presence will be with them every step of their journey from this resurrection day forward. And the Spirit of God is with us today and each day of whatever this coronavirus season of life will become for us. And in the gospel text, this brings us to that portion of the passage where we have the famous moment that we've given a shorthand to, doubting Thomas. Poor Thomas. You know, the story goes that for whatever reason, Thomas wasn't in the room that Easter Sunday evening when Jesus stood among the disciples and spoke those words of peace. He hadn't witnessed that moment, but he'd heard about it shortly afterwards. He heard them say, we have seen the Lord. Now, the, the Greek, Greek verb tense there carries with it a sense that the, the other disciples kept saying to him, we've seen the Lord. No, we really have. It's not just a wishful tale. We're speaking as witnesses of reality. We've seen the Lord. But it seems to be more than Thomas can embrace. Thomas wants to witness these things himself. He says, you know, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, put my finger where the nails were, put my hand into his side, I won't believe. Now, remember, Jesus had shown his hands and his side to the disciples that resurrection Sunday evening. Thomas had heard about this. He wanted to know and he wanted to witness what it was they had seen. So it's a week later. What happens? Well, the text literally says eight days later that they're gathered together again behind a locked door. Now, of course, the Jewish way of talking about a span of days would have included the first and the last day of that span. So we're talking about the Sunday after the resurrection. And so we're talking about today in the church calendar. Today is the second day of Easter. And so this passage is especially fitting. Now, the difference in this gathering is that Thomas is present this time. John, as he tells the story in this gospel text, uses the exact same phrasing as he did in the first appearance. He says, he came and he stood among them and he said, peace be with you. I mean, Jesus in his grace gives Thomas the gift of an opportunity to see and hear for himself what his fellow disciples had seen and heard a week earlier. And Jesus is even more kind than that. He actually quotes Thomas's own words and turns them into an invitation. Thomas, touch the wounds on my hands. Thomas, place your hand in the wound in my side. I want you to trust me. I want you to rely on the reality of who I am and what has happened. Now, the passage doesn't say that Thomas stood there, arms crossed, suspicious as ever. It doesn't say that he reluctantly reached over to prove to himself that Jesus was really risen and present. The simple phrase that captures Thomas's response is worship, pure and simple. He just says, my Lord and my God. Now, it's important for us to remember that words like Lord and God here were words that a Jewish person would only use to describe the God of Israel. Kyrios and Theos, these are words reserved for divinity. Thomas moves from his place of deep doubt to declaring what might be the most profound 
most profound statement of faith in the room. Perhaps deep trust rose from the doubts that were the sign of his struggle to believe after his master had been executed. And so, my Lord and my God, these are words that are our own most holy and fitting response to our experience of Christ coming to be with us, speaking words of peace to us, sending us into the world just as the Father had sent him. Worship, humble, awe-filled, joyful worship. Worship is allowing the whole of our being to respond to the reality Jesus reveals to us of himself as the risen one. Jesus comes to be among us in our fears with resurrection life. So in response to Thomas's statement of worship, Jesus speaks a word of encouragement and hope that actually meets us where we find ourselves today. They are words that uniquely address us. He says, because you have seen me, Thomas, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. We're not sitting in that room 2,000 years ago, witnessing the risen presence and hearing the risen word of our Lord. We're here. And we have believed because we trusted the testimony of those first followers who had witnessed the reality of the risen Christ. And they bore witness to other followers who trusted without seeing. And that testimony has borne generation after generation of followers until we come to today and our own trusting in the risen life of Christ. And so we are among those who are blessed to embrace the reality of resurrection in our lives on the strength of reliable testimony. We've tested the power of that reality in our own lives. We've experienced being risen to new life in communion with the risen one. So as we reflect on this story that we've looked at today, we can see that the disciples are trying to find peace in hiding from the Jewish authorities behind a locked door. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like their strategy was working very well. Perhaps it isn't too great a stretch to connect the locked door behind which the disciples are hiding with the lockdown that has been urged upon us by our state and national leaders. In this place, Jesus stands in the midst of what troubles us, and he speaks. Our world's economy may well be profoundly impacted for not just a few months, but maybe for years to come. I don't know if you've worried about that. I have. In the midst of that, Jesus says to us, he stands in our midst and he says, peace be with you. Many people have suffered over the last number of weeks. We've watched the numbers grow. So has Jesus. He says to us, standing among us, peace be with you. Many of us have found ourselves unemployed or underemployed or have experienced radical changes in the work that we do. And to us, Jesus says, peace be with you. Peace be with you isn't just a religious nicety that fails to account for painful realities. These are words in which we can find a safe place to live. 
There's a Eugene Peterson book that I like very much titled Practice Resurrection. He draws that title from the closing line of a Wendell Berry poem. And in this book, Peterson unpacks our journey into spiritual growth, spiritual maturing. He calls this practicing resurrection. Now, the disciples behind that lack door are unpracticed in resurrection. They are only just now aware of resurrection. It'll be a while before those first followers become practiced in the realities of resurrection, before they grow more and more rooted in a life that arises from death. How about us? Might this fearful season in which we find ourselves be a time in which we are being invited to practice resurrection? Might this not be a season in which we could awaken more fully to the presence of the risen Christ among us? A time when we might hear the voice of Christ speaking again and again, as often as we need. Peace be with you. What might it feel like to be animated more and more by the peaceful, risen presence of Christ among us? Christ in us. I've shared at a number of different points and in a number of different settings that, unfortunately, I became practiced in anxiety over the course of many of the early years of my life. I've been learning to become more practiced in resurrection over time. Peace is the atmosphere of resurrection life. The risen Christ comes among us and breathes into us the spirit of peace. And so on this second Sunday of Easter, Jesus speaks peace to us, a deep-rooted peace, a real peace, a substantial peace, peace that is the very atmosphere of his kingdom reign. Peace really is with us. Peace really will be with us. In the midst of fearful and anxious times, peace will accompany us and companion us. We will not be abandoned to that which threatens us. And the peace of God, remember, is a person, a prince of peace. Peace is the way of Jesus. So in these times, let's let our hearts and minds remain awake and attentive to these good words of Jesus. Once again, peace be with you. May these words echo in our hearts and minds through these coming days. This is my prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.